in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode, episode 607 now, the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, let's talk about what adults sometimes forget about friendship. In fact, uh, Ron, my son, and I, we just went to a baseball game together, and we're planning a diving trip, right? Also getting ready to coach some more football. So we're going to talk about our friendship, and we've been friends now for decades. <laughs> it's hard to believe that we've been alive for decades. <laughs> also, Amazon is is drawing a line in the sand. They say, you know what? You are coming back. Even if it's not for five days, if it's for three. And if you don't come back, we'll see you. Uh, finally, I think tech companies are in a position of leverage. And where does this take us is we see a lot of these companies, and you see this here in Seattle, and I was walking north after the game last night because I just wanted to see. I'm telling you, I still see a lot of boarded up stores, a lot of coffee shops that are gone, and you can put lipstick on a pig all you want when the All-Star game comes to town, but I saw lots of homelessness, lots of garbage, lots of tents. I didn't see any police. My son and I walked really fast, and I'm telling you, it's, it's companies like Amazon that are going to decide whether the core of Seattle, the business core, the urban core, whether it lives and dies. And right now, as Nordstrom just pulled out of San Francisco this week, that core is dying. Who would have ever thought? Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Everybody's talking about him. There's a song. It's called uh, Rich, Men, Rich Men North of Richmond. And chances are, you probably turned on your television set. If you're listening to the news, you've heard it. Uh, if you listened to the debate the other night, they played it. And the song is by a young gentleman by the name of Oliver Anthony. And he is now speaking out about that song and his song, Richmond North of Richmond, being used at the Republican debate. I heard him on an interview on a podcast. In fact, he was on with Joe Rogan. And he said his name is not really Oliver Anthony. It's his grandfather's name. Uh, he says he doesn't really live in the mountains. But one of the reasons he writes this songs and writes these songs is because a number of years ago, he said he was drinking too much. He was depressed. He had a lot of anxiety. And he's like, what am I going to do with my life? And his friend said, well, you are a hell of a songwriter, a singer-songwriter. Why don't, why don't you start doing some of that? He's like, well, because I'm sitting around too much, stressed out, feeling anxiety and, and drinking and not sleeping. And they're like, well, maybe what you should do is write songs. So that's what he began to do. And the songs that he wrote and, and, and that he is currently writing are songs that are reflective of his grandfather, Oliver Anthony, who actually lived in the mountains. 
And so he took all these stories that he heard growing up as a boy and he turned it into music. It'd be like me writing music about my, my grandfather. Uh, his name was Charlie, but they called him Sippy. He was from Mississippi. And boy, did he have a lot of rich stories to tell me. So anyway, he did not like that being used at the debate. He said that song is not about Joe Biden. What that song is about is everybody that was standing on that stage. Those are the rich men. Can I, can I give a little context here? The rich men. The thing that's so remarkable about this story is that this is the. I thought f- I was giving context. Well, there's something. There's one I thing, was just giving Charlie. I was just giving context. You're giving some context. I'm going to give some additional context. The, the thing that jumped out to me about this this is the first time in the history of the Billboard charts. So going back, I think Billboard came out in the 30s, uh, in the early, you know, 20s, 30s, something like that. It's probably been close to 100 years of the Billboard charts. This is the first time that you've ever had a, a singer that was unsigned and had never made an appearance in any way, shape, or form in Billboard. So they don't have a record. They never had a minor hit. They never were signed by any label. This guy came out of YouTube, basically, and social media, and debuted with the first song he ever recorded on a real microphone, debuted at number one (laughs) on the Billboard chart and uh, the Hot 100 and the country charts and the top of iTunes. So he, that's the first time it's ever happened. There have been other people who the, the, their first record has hit number one, but they'd had other things prior to that. And not with a full band. It looks like he was playing an old steel guitar, right? Yeah, so he's from West Virginia, and it's a very specific type of country music. I love this style of country music. If you like Tyler Childers, if you like Sturgill Simpson, uh, if you like uh, Coulter Wall, like that brand of country, uh, he's right in that, that wheelhouse, and he's playing a national guitar, which is the one that looks like it has the hubcap in the middle, uh, resonator guitar. And he's just singing outside with his three dogs laying on the ground. With his capo on. With his capo on. Incredible voice. And so, yeah, it rockets to number one. And the interesting thing about this song, and then I'll kick it back to you to right where you just were, is everybody saw themselves in the song. So mm. if you were That's so good. an extreme right authoritarian loving MAGA hat wearing person, That's good. you're like, this is my song. All right. I'm kicking it back to you now. And then uh, if you, the fun thing I did today after you sent me this, I did a deep dive. I watched a bunch of reaction videos online um, and everybody from uh, the Daily Wire has a reaction video over to some hip hop guys that I follow. They did reaction videos. <laughs> And so regardless of who you watched, a uh, an African-American 29-year-old hip-hop fan reacting to this song sees himself in the song. You have a right-wing guy running for president who sees himself in the song. Wow. You have good, people that are, that are saying, uh, I'm a MAGA person and we need to bring Trump back. They go, this is our song. You have people that are Democrats that are going, yes, I identify with this song. And so it's been, for whatever reason, absolutely blowing up. And um, he also, like last week, and this is why I think people are resonating with him. So it's the West Virginia thing. It's one guitar. 
He played at his local farmer's market. So there was a farmer's market in West Virginia. After he blew up. After he is the number one song in America. Yeah, yeah. He is, and he had, all he had a friend of his that plays acoustic guitar. They pitched up a, it's under a little awning. Right. He's playing at the farmer's market. Just like a street performer. And and they said when people heard he was going to be there, over a thousand people came to the farmer's market, which usually gets a couple, you know, 50 people. They sold a lot of zucchini that day. Buying zucchini. Yeah. What do people do with those zucchini? And so I think that the... The fact that it's resonating this much is is great. People should go watch it. It's a very powerful performance. But I, but I think the thing that it has tapped into is the song to me is about that the people, it, it's about the big con that I think people are starting to realize. And I heard someone else say this better than I could. He says, the biggest con we have in America right now is billionaires and millionaires convincing people that make 50 grand that it's the people who make ten grand is the problem. That's his point. That, that he, 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 that's he, a beautiful he, way to say. He it. would he would resonate with you in in writing that song. That that's exact. That was exactly his message. He said it's not a right message. It's not a left message. I don't want it used for politics. Uh, he 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 said my job is 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 to make music, and and. And to make people think and make people laugh and to make people joyous. And, and I think he's done that. And so. he's only the third person that's entirely independent to hit number one uh, on the Billboard chart. What should he, what, what the should other he, one, though, I want to give a shout out, oh. Ryan Lewis and Macklemore were one of the only oh, other wow. ones that were entirely independent and debuted yeah. at number one. So what should Oliver do now? Is this, is this your 10 seconds of fame? Are you a one-hit wonder? Do you need to sign with a record label? Uh, I know you've written some songs in the past, so you know how these things work probably better than I do. Uh, I kept thinking, keep, if play, I was keep him, playing at the fair. What do you What do you do? I mean, he owns this song. Um, I hope that it makes him a lot of money. And I don't think you need a label anymore with this type of music. I, I was thinking the entire time that I watched him was like, dude, you need to hook up with the guys in your hood, which is Tyler Childers. Uh, which is Sturgill Simpson, those Americana country artists from Appalachia, and talk to them and just say, what would you do different? What would you do the same? Open up for Tyler, like, go, you know, put together an actual act that has a library of songs and then go out and like support a tour like that. And then I, I think he can make his own way. It's interesting because even a guy like, uh, what is that, that young kid that got, uh, I just blanked on his name. He he screamed the N word and then he got canceled. And that time, now he's Whalen, last name Whalen. No, it's like Waller or wait. It's, it's not Whalen, but it's, uh, anyways, I think, I think it is Whalen. So we're gonna, usually, usually the first name in country is Cody, right? <laughs> but so he sort of got canceled and dropped and everything else. Yeah. And then now he's back with a vengeance. With you know, he's had the number one album on the charts, and his tour is selling out tickets. So uh, I think there's a lane here for this guy who's clearly. I was close. What did you think it was? I thought it was Waylon Whaler Weller Morgan Whalen. Morgan Whalen. Yeah, yeah. So Morgan Whalen uh, is back with a vengeance. So he's huge. Yeah. I think there's a lane for this type of music, you're never going to be, well, I was going to say you're never going to be number one, but he is number one. Uh, and and there, it's just funny because people try to tie it into the Jason Aldean song. 
people try to everybody from the from Rolling Stone to the Washington Post has written a commentary on this, especially after it was used in the in the debates. And, and again, you know, he even talked about there's a line in the song where he sort of calls out people that milk the welfare system, and he does a video in his truck. Uh, that just has 300,000 miles on it. He's a, he's a welding supply delivery guy and he just quit his job. So, you know, he, he says, Hey, listen to my, all my songs. Uh, I'm not calling out poor people. He's like, those are my people. Yeah. So like, just just chill. Right. (laughs) See you in 60 seconds. You guys, what's going on? Happy summer. Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. It is the summer driving season, and they have a huge sale coming up. They have this every summer, but they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever. This is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. How yeah, you right now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at leschwab.com or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop by any location tell them ron and don sent you that's two hundred dollars with four select tires les schwab they've been doing the right thing since 1952 investors listen to me you know some investors aren't really investors they're flippers they're looking to buy a house and uh, flip it but did you know that 40 percent of all americans that hold a mortgage were refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0. That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now for investors, unless, unless you're willing to get in there and compete and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ron and Don sit down. Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ron and Don sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Again, if you need us as your realtors, just ronanddonsitdown.com. If you like us as your broadcasters, we invite you to give us a five-star Google review and uh, tell other friends about us because there's still lots of people and out shout there. shout out to Peter Clark who gave us a referral and, oh, I, and met with the, his friends. So nice. we appreciate your referrals as well. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate that. And also uh, Ollie and Emmy who uh, gave us some referrals as well. And uh, congratulations to Todd Lee and his wife who just sold their place out I-90. And uh, they've been working on a place we helped them acquire here in Seattle, doing a whole remodel on the inside. It's cool, man. So they just moved from Cleellum to uh, uh, to the Fremont area. So pretty cool. Hey, uh, uh, this is kind of interesting. If, you, if you've had a chance to go to a game, if you've had a chance to walk through kind of the downtown core of Seattle around the all-star break, they went in, they tried to do a, a better job of cleaning up the city. I think one of the problems is we're just, we're still spending a lot of money on cleanup. 
but then the maid has to continue to keep coming back. And we're not unique in this. We're seeing this now, not just on the West Coast, but we're seeing this all over the country. So, so this is a real issue. And people wonder sometimes in, in smaller cities, why don't they have the homeless problem? They actually do. It's just people live in abandoned buildings. Where it really started cropping up here is if you remember, South Lake Union was a blank hole. It was. There's lots of prostitution down there. Uh, it was its own form of the jungle. There were lots of, of single-family abandoned homes. There were lots of old brick buildings that have been purchased, but they haven't been uh, boarded up yet. And as a result of that, there were a lot of people that were living in those buildings. And then when Paul Allen went in and started tearing all those buildings down and putting up new ones, there was no place to go. But really, that's why you see people living not just along the I-5 corridor, but in some instances above, below, on the side. It's crazy where people embed themselves sometimes uh, just to do what they want to do and also to, to get away from the police and, and create some shelter for themselves. Anyway, the, the, the CEO of Amazon has said, and I bet city leaders here in Seattle who have not always been kind to Amazon, uh, and I bet if you're on the city council, you're really appreciating the fact that, 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 that he is saying, if, if you can't come to work three days a week and meet with your team and work with your team, and if we can't open up your laptop and, and know when you're on your laptop and what you're doing, because uh, they basically use spyware on, well, it's not even spyware. Because they're not spying. They're letting you know that we are watching you. Uh, it's not enough anymore just to be a part of a team and say, hey, as long as we get our work done, we don't care if you stay up morning, noon, and night, just get it done. They, they want you there. It's part of the accountability, which is really good for Seattle, you guys, because here Amazon doesn't just rent some of these buildings. They own some of these buildings. They own this real estate. So they want this real estate to have value. And in order for it to have value, nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about it. I don't see this in any public in order for the real estate to have value they have to have butts in those offices and they have to have a very vibrant downtown core they need for restaurants and they need for uh, coffee shops and they need for stores even places like they need for those things to work in order for them to work it needs to feel very safe and i will say going to that game yesterday i felt safe while i was at the game but walking north from the stadium, once, once you get past the north parking lot where there's a couple officers standing there, there's no police. Sidebar. What? Are the Mariners going to get to the playoffs again two years in a row? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what, I, what I did want to say, though, what I, what I did want to say is, is I think we are at that tipping point. I think San Francisco already tipped. I think we will see other cities tip. And in and, and places like San Francisco, where they have a lot of downtown buildings that aren't owned by Amazon, a lot of these companies that run these buildings are going back to the owners and saying, hey, LLC, baby, we're fine for bankruptcy, and we'll see you later. We got to go. And, and when you saw Nordstrom's pull out there, that anchor store in San Francisco, and I remember when we lived there, when you saw that anchor store pull out, think of the messaging that that sends. And even if you're a real estate tycoon and you think you're going to go in there and convert all these buildings to condos, you're not, because it's it's like trying to convert a boat to a bus and a bus to a boat. You can do it, but it's very, very difficult to do. They may have similar things and that they both have engines, but the way that a building is built for 
for a condo is very, very different than the way that a building is built. And all these buildings have been, been built for, uh, for, uh, commercial work. And, and, and so the, the businesses, some of the businesses we see thriving are the businesses that maybe have some retail at the bottom. And that, so there's the retail. And then maybe there's some commercial office space and blended living space upstairs. Uh, we see more of that in Seattle than we have seen in other places. But still, we are a city that is sitting here with 30% of the downtown core of these buildings just sitting there empty. And so there's part of me that says, thank God for Amazon and the fact that they're sending their workers back. But now we've seen hundreds of the workers out in South Lake Union protesting, so at least they could show up for the protest, and say, hey, what about us? What about our kids? We're better at home. We work better. Uh, this is going to cost me stress. Uh, this is going to burn more fossil fuel because now I got to drive to work. And, and let's not forget, I really do believe that people were probably getting more work done at home when they were staying at home with their families and working because there was nowhere to go. <laughs> but now when you're at home, you can get up and you can go to the bar, you can go to the game like we went yesterday, you can go watch a movie at the movie theater, uh, you can run to the gym. There's lots of things that you can do now that uh, all these places and spaces are open. Ron, what say you? Do you feel for the workers that are picketing and saying, what about my mental health? Or do you applaud the CEO of Amazon saying, hey, we're coming back, and if you don't come back, this probably isn't going to work for you. I think he probably isn't working, looking out for his workers as much as he's looking out for Amazon and the real estate holdings that they have. The, the, the only caveat I have to not having a full-throated endorsement of this policy from Amazon are, is to the people that believed the previous announcement. So in 2022-ish, around there, I think it might have been 2021 as well, this, this same individual told employees, it's a, we're not going back to the old way. And so if, if the person, and they're in, we've seen these people, there are people that decided to make a lifestyle change based on that announcement. So they work for Amazon. They were told that they didn't have to go back to Seattle. So they sold their car. They moved. They got, went close to their family. Uh, they decided I, maybe I'm going to live in a different city because I was told by my CEO or my management, upper management, that I wasn't required to do this. And so I feel for those people, those, there, there were real people that we even sold a house out in Port Angeles to a family like this. It's a tech worker. Um, and they said, we w- we've always wanted to have more land. Um, we've just been told that we don't have to go back to the office. They sold their house in Seattle. They bought our listing in, in Port, was it Port Townsend or Port Angeles? Is Port Gans, it was a port. Port uh, Angeles. But in Port Angeles, beautiful yep. property. I'll buy Burley. And yep. so if that person that believed what he was told now has to go, what do you mean three days a week? You told me. That I like, we sold our house yeah. because you told us that I didn't have to do this. That's right. And so I, I feel for those people. Having said that, there's probably a way to remedy that if you can really demonstrate that you did that. But I, I agree with you in that I, I was downtown as well yesterday, we went to the Mariner game. And so I took the bus. And so I took the bus and the, the route that I'm on, Route 62, it goes by, I call them the Bezos balls. 
the Bezos balls uh, in day one plaza right there. And it is vibrant. We call them the triple Bs. You've the got, big Bezos balls. You've got the banana stand there. Um, you have Rachel's ginger beer across the street. There's a, the Ma Ono chicken place. There's a sub pop record store. There's a, a burger shop. There's the, the Victor, which has a great happy hour. Uh, there's some really fa- fantastic French restaurant and the, the deep dive and 2120. All that stuff is right there. And it is supported by... Uh, the people that are going in and out of Amazon. That's on 6th, okay? We're on 6th. You go down three blocks. So that is about a four-minute walk to get from 6th to 3rd, going towards the water, towards Pike Market. Uh, you get from 6th to 3rd, and you might as well have gone to another country. Or Portland. It, it, it is... <laughs> Boarded up buildings, vacant properties, people sleeping on the street in the middle of the day, uh, drug deals going down. You don't see a lot of police. And so you don't see a lot of police. Not a lot of police. And then the bus stop for me to go to back from after the game was in front of the King County Courthouse. Yeah. And which employs a tremendous amount of people, and there's a tremendous amount of visitors there and every day. And it's the day. best place to do an open-air drug deal anywhere and, in the city. And across the street from that used to be some decent places to eat lunch because people would have court. They would go in. You'd come out. You're, you're, there was meetings there. Uh, it was a very, it's a very busy building. Yep. It is in, entirely vacant. Mm. That block is in – I did not see one business that was still there. And so now we're going to go, if you picture this in your mind, you're going north. So we have a gem of, of um, some music things like Benaroya Hall um, that is now in this desert um, of no supporting restaurants. You used to be able to go down, you're going to have a night on the town, you're going to go see Spoonman with the symphony or whatever you're doing uh, at Benaroya. Yeah, and you're throwing you're, it way back. You're going Spoon, way back. Spoonman and the symphony. I did that just for you. Uh, you. You would go down there, you could get a nice dinner, uh, you could get a, go to a steakhouse, you could go to a bar, um, you could feel great about parking your car and walking over to Benaroya Hall, seeing a show, you weren't worried about anything, at least I would never was. Fork Woman actually opened up for Spoon Man, I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right, it is, um, it is at a tipping point, uh, and, and we talk about this issue all the time and I think about it all the time when I'm down there. And the thing I continue to go back to is who is the largest landowner in the city of Seattle? That would be the city of Seattle. Who controls the permitting process for the city of Seattle? That would be the city of Seattle. Who has the largest budget for homelessness? Uh, second or third only to New York and LA. That would be the city of Seattle. Biggest per capita. Yeah, biggest per capita. Biggest per capita. Who, who controls all the building permit flows and, and all the inspectors? That would be the city of Seattle. Yeah. So why? Who defunded the police? The city of Seattle. Who ran Carmen Best out of town? The city of Seattle. Who got this Namrod, Numrod, just who, the, the new police chief? The guy's just a dork and doesn't know what he's doing. Nobody wants to work for him. He can't keep any police officers. He's not recruiting anyone. Uh, and, and he and the mayor need to be in lockstep with each other. Uh, and I just don't think he and the mayor are paying so, attention. So the, the end of my sentence there, and I'll throw it back to you. If we were really serious about building housing that is affordable, 
The city of Seattle holds every card in that. They hold every card and they will not, for whatever reason, just do it. And I know the backlash is, oh, Ron, well, you remember all the projects in big cities like Chicago or New Orleans or New York, uh, you know, the, when the Bronx was burning, like y- you remember what happened there when it was all government housing. Yeah, I do. Don't do it like that. Like we've come a long way since the projects of Chicago and New York and in New Orleans. I'm not talking about doing projects. I'm saying you hold the purse strings and the land. Do it. You do it. Do it. More on the other side. Ron, I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also, then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.Loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Before we get out of here today, uh, read some things about friendship and how it's important sometimes to not just check in with each other, but it's important as we grow older to go play to go play with each other. And that's what Ron and I got to do uh, yesterday, going to a ball game. I felt a little bad because I invited you to come play and you couldn't sit in our section. And then a gentleman came and he sat in the seat that you were sitting in. So you got up and you moved to your seat. So so G is, my son is sitting to my left and then there's an empty seat to my right. And then to the right of that is another seat where this gentleman had been sitting on the aisle and he came in and waved you off. I thought he was going to come back with his wife or something, but didn't. And, and, and it was, and then all the other seats filled in and I'm like, do I call Ron to come back? Cause I'm a big guy. Ron's a big guy. The guy's sitting in seat one. Cause he was in seat one. You'd be in two. I was in three. G was in four. It, it would be like being on a plane for me, uh, flying to Europe in the middle seat. I think we were a, fine. With I, a bunch of big guys. I so. had an aisle seat. I was glad I was able to see an inning with you guys. That's all, that's all we need. Yeah. And, an and, and, anyway, what did, you, what did you think of the game yesterday? It was fun. Gunner, when he saw you show up, he was, he was absolutely thrilled. When he found out you're going to help coach again this year for a couple of our uh, football games, he was thrilled by that. I think you and I from time to time, and we're planning a, a, a diving trip coming up in the spring, you and I from time to time, I, I, I think we have learned as we grow older, there's a lot of things I like to do that you don't like to do or I like to play. And, and one of those might be at the gym or on a trail run or on a bike, but there's other things that we really like to do together. Um, and, and I think when it comes to friendship, especially for men as they get older, it's, it's really important to, 
invest in those friendships, invest time in those friendships, and go out and play together, right? Yeah, this was an interesting article that you sent to me, and I think it applies to a lot of people. And they they they, they talk about figuring out a way to to plan undefined time, um, where you can just sort of do whatever. And they hearken back to you know children when they just it was undefined. You're like, I'm going to do a sleepover, and that was the agenda. There wasn't anything else, so you had the full night to just sort of do whatever you were going to do. So if you wanted to watch TV, you watch TV. If you cook something, you cook something, so whatever it was. And, and that really resonated with me, and that's one of the things that I enjoy about, and I'm finding that I enjoy a lot about uh, my tiny house up on the river, is when I invite people there, I don't define the time at all. So I, I'll set some different stations up and then whatever the person wants to do, they get to do. So it's like, you want to lay in a hammock? There's the hammock. You want to go down to the river? There's the river. You want to make a campfire? There's the campfire. Uh, you want to cook? Here's the grill. You want a cold so, plunge? You want a cold plunge? There's the tiny tub. Yeah. So, um, and I've found that to be really great because it does do what this article talks about where it's like, Hey, if we want tunes, I got music. If you want to get a, a can of soda, we've, we've got that. But I'm not going to, there's no agenda. There's no, like, at 3 o'clock we're doing this. and four, So you want to take a hike? There's the woods. Or I'll go with you or, or whatever. <laughs> and, and I think what it releases is that thing that this article talked about is try to get your friends together where it's not on an agenda, where you just can remember what it was like to do whatever it is you're going to do. And so uh, find something that is interesting, whether that's uh, a hike or, or a ball game or whatever. And they said that that's one of the things that really short circuits adult friendships is that we are either sitting in a restaurant, we're at a kid's game, let's say, or we're at a predefined thing that lasts a certain amount of time. And then once it's done, we all leave. And we don't have any un scripted time to talk about what's really going on in our lives or how we really feel about stuff or what we're really daydreaming about. Uh, and so that was interesting. The other thing that that article threw out that, that I found interesting is they say there's been a dramatic rise in the um, number of friends that now go to couples therapy. And so they pick a therapist together as friends and they go together to a therapist and they talk about their friendship, which I found to be, and I'm not saying we need to do that, but uh, I found that to be interesting where it's like, wow, that there are probably friends that I lost over. I can think of one guy that I was best friends with in high school. Haven't talked to him in probably over a decade and nothing dramatic happened. Like we didn't have a big fall a fight or anything. We just fell away from each other. And it's like, I wonder if we would have had something like a therapy session where we could have voiced where it's like, Hey, we've been friends for a long time and you're an important person in my life. And how do we make this keep going? Uh, if we'd still be friends today and so much time and momentum is gone, uh, that like, I don't even know how I would track him down, uh, if I wanted to rekindle that friendship. And I just assume that he doesn't care anymore. And he probably assumes that I don't care anymore. But at the same time, it's like, I'm, I'm done. I don't have the energy to try to revive that now after so much time has gone by. But I think this idea of like having a place, 
because it's one of the most important relationships in your life. Having a place besides a bar or a ball game to where you can say, what does this friendship mean to me? Uh, is pretty cool that people are doing that. Yeah. And, and, and I think also, if you're going to dare to be close to people, you, you also, you have to be okay with not being right, even when you are right. <laughs> and you have to, you can't carry around a scorecard and, and then blow up one day and pull out your scorecard and really give it to someone. Uh, when I was younger, I did that. And therapy really helped me understand that some of the things that I need to process are just things that I need to process. And it's really not about the other person. Usually when you see something in your friend that you really don't like, and I, I, I got out of my car the other day, and, and my son was standing there, and I complained about two things. Uh, and they were really small things and it was, and the things aren't even important. And the, and the things were, were about two of my neighbors when just two things that I noticed when I walked outside. And then I noticed when I got in the car, then he started to follow along and say something negative about the neighbor as well. And so uh, later on when we were having ice cream and we were checking in with each other's mental health, I said, Hey, I got to apologize to you about something. And I explained what I did. And I explained that the reason why I was mad at the neighbor for doing that is because I'm mad at myself for doing that. And it shows up in a different way. What I saw in the neighbor is something that I see in me that I don't like. And I expressed that in front of my son, and then he jumped on that negative train with me. And so we were able to have a really nice, nice talk about that. And so I was able to, uh, to apologize to him, and then, and, then, uh, and then we finished up our Yeti ice cream, which, by the way, I'd never had before. That is stone-cold sick. Or uh, when I was sitting there eating the Yeti ice cream, I felt really grizz. Wow, is that the new slang? <laughs> my, my <laughs> Do you know what Grizz is? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's good. Uh, next time you hang out with my child, uh, I want you to ask him about Grizz. And he was trying to explain it to me the other day. And then I found an article about what being Grizz is last night. And it's... It's very complex, but I guess it's what every junior high and high school kid wants to be right now. They want to be Grizz. So is that our third segment? That is our third segment. Yeah. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. If you're listening to us, that makes you Grizz. G-R-I-Z-Z. Those young people today. If you want to get in touch with us as broadcasters, as realtors, as friends, how can they do it? Yeah, uh, I hope that people have uh, now come to terms with what the interest rates are and they're ready to jump back in this real estate game. Uh, if you're a buyer, if you're a seller, uh, if you are thinking 2024, I need to sell. If you have a family member, listen, listen to me now here because we've done a lot of this business this year. If you are in a situation with your family where you, something bad has happened or even something good has happened, a divorce, maybe there's a death in the family, assisted living, uh, you got a promotion or 
had a child where your life circumstances changed, we would love to help you. And sometimes those are really overwhelming situations for people because they're dealing with the emotional lift. And then there's also this housing lift where there's a lot of memories and possessions and stuff that are tied to this piece of real estate. We are here to step in and partner with you to get that done. So uh, email me, Ron, at ronadon.com, or you can find more at ronadonsitdown. Yeah, and everything we do is a real estate agent, ronadonsitdown.com. And don't forget, every Friday, we do a real estate edition only of a Ron and Don. Uh, uh, we, we take one of our deals, and we kind of tear them apart a little bit and, and, and tell you what we did. So if you're a broker, if you're new to the real estate business, if you've been around a while, if you're looking to buy, sell, and invest, and you're looking for us to help, it's really good for you to listen to that. It's every Friday. It's about 18 minutes. And it's a good way for you to come to the classroom and say, hey, I, I learned a lot today about reverse mortgages. Or, hey, I learned a lot today about a three-for-one buy-down. Or, hey, I learned a lot today about Don's friendship with Charlie the dog, <laughs> who just made obnoxious odoriferous. So we're going to end it on that. Hey, uh, don't forget, this Friday, episode 609, uh, the real estate only. And we will be talking about the fact that... Uh, well, Ron walked by a, a house that we were closing on this morning, and it wasn't ready to close. And so I got a message from him just after 6 this morning, and you're not going to believe what he did. So makes him a great real estate agent. I have great respect for him, okay? Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You're listening to Ron and Don. Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back, and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron Don Radio Network.